Hello and welcome back to the Blue Tomorrow podcast. Well, while the men's team slumped to a disappointing 2-2 draw at home to Everton before travelling off to their respective nations for the international break, the Chelsea women's team have been lighting up Europe. Guro Wrighton's goal gave the Blues a 1-0 advantage heading into the second leg of the last 16 of the Champions League against holders Olympic Lyon. Chelsea will face the French Giants at Stamford Bridge in a week Thursday, so a week from now. That is is correct. (laughs) Tom... Do you think the Blues have what it takes to get through? Well, judging by what we saw during the 90 minutes yesterday, there's no reason to doubt them. I mean, playing like that in at Leon's home stadium, who have won the competition so many times, it can only bring positive energy to the team. Obviously, there's a couple of a couple of things we can dive, delve into that weren't so positive, but a lot of it was very, very good. And yeah, I'm, I have every confidence that any team they face, they will have a good chance of beating. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, let's talk about Guru Ryson's goal. The like it's given us that advantage heading into the second left leg. It was a, I mean, a brilliantly taken finish and Aaron Cuthbert's assist as well. You've got to give a shout out to that. The little nutmeg in midfield. Yeah, it was very, very good. Um, it was some a dogged bit of um, 50-50 work from Cuthbert to win the ball in midfield and then playing the park, perfectly weighted into Wrighton's pass and then the finish first time right into the corner. You can't have asked for much better than that. It was just, yeah, great midfield performance from Cuthbert all game. I think she... Showed when she is fully fit, she is exactly what Chelsea need in the absence of Frank Kirby in the middle there. Sort of can give that energy of winning the ball back in those positions and can set the forwards into great scoring opportunities, which she did really well. I think we've lacked that, especially in the in the Continental Cup final where the midfield was sort of overran by Arsenal's midfield. But yesterday they were a much better and much more positive performance. I think um, Melanie Leopold's coming back into the fold as well is helping that midfield. It allows Sophie Ingle a bit more freedom and yeah, again, allows Cuthbert to press a bit higher and win the ball as hard as she did for that goal. And Guru Wrighton, I mean, she's just on fire at the moment. Oh yeah, she's been a bit of a revelation this season, hasn't she? Mm, yeah, she is. She's one who goes under the radar for her, and has been going under the radar for a number of years now in the Chelsea squad. And she's starting to reap the rewards of having Harder and Kirby out. She is taking that advantage really well and is reaping the rewards in the team, which is great to see. I mean, Chelsea got the win, but should they have... Should they be going into the second leg with more of an advantage? I mean, Lauren James hit the post. Lauren James had a fantastic game, by the way. It was, in my opinion, the best player on the pitch. And hit the post with a... I mean, it was such an effortless shot. You were like, well, that's not doing anything. And then it just cannoned off the post. But Sam Kerr did miss an absolute sitter, uh, I think, I believe in the second half, skying a, skying a shot when she was clean through. Should Chelsea be going into the second leg with a bigger advantage. Yeah, I think apart from the goal, that was the best chance of the game from either side. And you'd put a lot of money on Sam Kerr scoring from there. That is a sort of bread and butter chance that she does normally bury. So I think Chelsea can feel slightly aggrieved that they're not in a better advantage. But there were a couple of occasions where Leon got the ball into the Chelsea box. I don't think they ever really tested Berger in goal, but there were a couple of snapshots where maybe they should have connected and tested her. But I mean, as you obviously already mentioned with the Lauren James opportunity, it was one of those where... She's going to take it on, like, hit it and why not? And yeah, she can't have done much better with a strike. Uh, she, I mean, she did so well to hit the post. To, to score from there would have been outrageous. But it was one of those Lauren James performances where it's a big night and she steps up. She's, you can tell she's related to Reese. It's <laughs> She just steps up in the big games. And yeah, she was another one who delivered tonight when we needed her. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned the, the defensive domination of Chelsea. Apart from that one slight chance they did have, and yeah. Berger saved it onto the post yes, after there was true. a, yeah, a misplaced pass in defence. That was a very good save. 
Uh, but apart from that, uh, Chelsea really dominated Leon defensively and, and managed to maintain the game very well. Do you think if they go into the second leg and do the same? Obviously, I mean, if they do go into the second leg and do the same, they'll see it out. But do you Definitely. think they can? Uh, well, the, losing Millie Bright is going to be an interesting test for the team. Um, she's a, been a very key component of that back line this season. Um, her and Buchanan have formed a very strong partnership over the last few games, keeping Ericsson out the side, which is always interesting to see. But... I think if Buchanan performs like she did last night with Ericsson alongside her, then there's no reason why we can't shut Leon out at home. Buchanan's been a revelation again in the last few games. Obviously, she knows the Leon side so well coming from there and winning the Champions League last season with them. She's starting to really catch up with the English game, catch up with what Emma Hayes wants from her. And I think her and Ericsson either side with Perisay and Carter at the fullback positions like they were last night, they can definitely do the job that they need to do. I mean, you mentioned the blow of Millie Bright going off with what looked like a muscle injury. I'm not sure. Has it been confirmed whether she'll be uh, out? If it has, I haven't seen it anywhere. It was one of those, I think I likened it to Thiago Silva, where she goes down and is like, no, I'm going to play on. She did look all right at first, but yeah, once she goes down that second time, you see, yeah, there's no way she's going to be able to make it to half time, which is yeah. a shame. And it did look like the kind of injury that unfortunately will keep her out. She won't be back within the week, no, I assume, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the women's other game this week against Reading, the FA Cup. They won 3-1 through to the next round. What did you make of the performance, Tom? Yeah, it was very good. It's uh, nice to be in a position where we're playing a side where we can put in a couple of other different players, rotate it around and get the result. Well, we saw Adelina make her first start for the side and was very, very good in the, on the left and really helped it work hard. And it was a good mix of the experienced players and those who are who are getting the minutes when they're not, not always getting on the pitch. Um, I think... Well, we saw Gura Rison again was class. And Neve Charles, interesting Neve Charles. She seems to play almost any position that Emma Hayes <laughs> wants her to. Started up front on on Saturday and should have scored with one of the opening chances. But yeah, she's another one where she can reap the opportunity of playing a team like Reading. And with Man City going out to Aston Villa, it sets us up quite nicely going into the semi-finals. Obviously, Villa are a hard team to play against at the moment. They've got some very good players, including Rachel Daly up front. So... Yeah, I'm hoping that the, the women can get to another final again and hopefully go on to lift the trophy. Absolutely, absolutely. And moving on from a, a good week for the women. <laughs> Seems like it's reversed uh, yet again. No yeah. matter what happens, if the men play well, the women don't play as well. Mm. And if the women play well, the men don't play as yeah, well. Yeah, they can't have everything, can <laughs> they? <laughs> I mean, that might be being nice to the men. They were, mm. did not play well. Um, a 2-2 draw again at home. To Everton, who I mentioned last week, uh, were not in the greatest of form. I mean, it looked like Chelsea were going to come away with a maybe slightly undeserved win. But, I mean, they did create the chances. And then Ellis Sims scores his first ever goal for Everton. We are Charity FC, are we not? I believe that is a turn that gets thrown around, (laughs) and rightfully so. (laughs) I mean, it was a complete mess at the back. But let's talk about going forward. Chelsea really should have put the game to bed, particularly Kai Havertz. I mean, three three-headed chances, all three of them he should have scored and is capable of scoring as he's done in the past. I mean, the two at the end were shocking. One of them he pulled out of, and the other one he completely closed his eyes. Like That's not what you do as a striker. I mean, that's not what you do as a defender. That's not what you do as a six-year-old. Why are you closing your eyes when the ball's coming towards you and no one's jumping near you and heading the ball? You're not going to get it in like that. I mean, what did you make of Havertz's performance? Yeah, it was one of those where he 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 looked a bit better when he's holding up the play, which is quite nice. But yeah, when when he's getting those chances, you do hope that he's going to do at least test the goalkeeper, get it on target. Havertz's aerial ability has always been a weird one for me. There's been 
periods in his Chelsea career where he's looked like he's never headed a ball in his life and there's no aerial threat whatsoever. But then you've also got games where he scores really important headers, like the home one against Real Madrid. He scored one against Burnley at home before. It's it's never it's always night and day with Kai in the air. It's, that's really annoying. For a man of his height, you'd hope he'd be a bit more... He wouldn't be scared of the ball, like as you rightly put it, which is exactly what he seemed with all three of his big chances. So, yeah, that was a shame there. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I'm not insulting Havertz's, Havertz's build-up play. I think he's actually mm. been fantastic over recent weeks. And I don't think he was bad at all against Everton in the build-up. I just like him to score more goals mm. <laughs> when he's playing as our striker. Um, let's move on to another one of the attackers, uh, João Felix. Bit of a mixed bag performance. A lot of people saying... He missed a few chances in the in the first half and his end product wasn't quite there. Obviously, there was that chance where he was running running down the line and I think, I can't remember who was running through the middle, but he misplaced the pass mm. when it was quite an easy pass. But he did get that goal and it was a very well-taken goal. Mm. So, I mean, I thought he had a very positive impact on the on the performance. What did you make of him? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd err on more than that side as well. I mean, the goal he scored, I don't think he had much right to get it into the, the really narrow angle that he managed to find, which was very nice because he's hit the post so many times and the ball's not gone in the back of the net. So I'm sure he'd quite happily take that one. I understand the reasoning where maybe some people think he should have done a bit more, but it's always difficult to sort of look at those things in isolation and say, oh, maybe he should do a little bit better there when there were a couple of other instances where he's winning these 50-50s with a nice little bit of skill, beating the player. So, you know, I think you've seen that down the years with Jao Felix that maybe his... End product is what has let him down and kept him from being in that upper echelon where he was touted to when he, well, when he did move from Benfica to um, Atletico Madrid. He was touted to be, well, well, moving for that sort of price tag, you are going to be touted to be the potential to be one of the best players in the world. So if he can get that right a bit more often, then yeah, he will, he will reap that price tag. But I think he had a solid game. I don't think he'd be one of the players I'd be digging out for the result by the end of it. No, yeah, I, I agree. When it comes to his price tag, though, I mean, Chelsea... Seems like we've had a problem for a while with people having no end products. Mm. I mean, the lack of... I mean, what, Jorginho being our top scorer with seven oh, goals yeah. a couple of seasons <laughs> ago is a prime example of that. But when it comes to the summer and you're looking at players and, and Chelsea still don't have someone who's like clinical in front of goal and can score, I mean, almost every chance that they, they get, do you pay that 80 million or do you look at a different striker? I think it's one of those where... If we have the ability to pay that and get the other players that we need to probably fill those holes up, then yes, I would. I think looking at the players that come in, he has been the most important so far, arguably. Annoying he's, he's the only one that we haven't signed on a point. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 I think he started all but one one of the games since we have brought him in on loan. So it shows how important he is to Potter's system. So I think if there is a an inkling that Atletico are going to let him go for... A bit, a little bit less than they signed him for, then yeah, we should be pushing, even with Nkuku coming in as well. There's definitely going to be space for someone of his calibre. If he ca- continues to be as important as he has been for Potter, then yeah, we need to, in my opinion, we should be signing him on that permanent deal. I mean, you say that there's going to be space, but is there? With, with Nkuku coming, we're going to have, for those, say it's uh, three attackers, or oh, four, even four attackers with no recognised striker still. We're going to have Havertz, Nkunku, Felix, Madueku, Mudrik, Mount. Pulisic. Then you've got Ziyech and Pulisic, <laughs> who are probably going to leave in the summer, mm. in all honesty. But still, that's six players for... for f- oh, and Sterling, seven. <laughs> seven <laughs> yeah. players. Oh, and Brozier, who's yeah, coming yeah, back from injury, and Fafana. Rolly uh, Lukaku. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that's, 
that's too many attackers. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, well, I mean, if you if you look at obviously problems of substitutions, you can count Charlie Chukwameka and Conor Gallagher in those positions as well, which is where they were playing by the end of the game. But yeah, no, you are right. It is far too many players for those positions. I think we we obviously expect that ZX going to be gone in the summer, and there's a very good chance that Pulisic is going to be as well. But looking at that, if we are going to get Felix in on a permanent with and Kuku coming in as well, then yeah, at least two or three more of those names will need to be shipped out the door. I mean, what's going to happen with Lukaku? No idea. I don't even want to start thinking about that yet. But obviously, there's the entire Mount contract situation that will need to be sorted out if he's going to stay. There's, well, and then people like Broya may not be able to hold down a place. People like Mad Wake, if he doesn't start getting the minutes, might go out on a loan, something like that. It's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how we try and sort this out in the summer. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an entertaining summer. Uh, three entertaining transfer windows in a row for Chelsea mm, fans. It's never dull. Never dull. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole, but yeah. I, I do think it's it's interesting what's going to happen in the future because yeah. I can see Maduweku going out on loan. I can see Fofana going out on loan. Yeah, they, yeah he's he someone I think will benefit from something like that. I can see Broya going out on loan. Yeah, I mean. Havertz potentially could leave. I mean, over recent weeks, he's been a bit more instrumental to the side. But... Yeah, it's not, it's not something that seems to go away with Havertz. There's yeah. always those links. Okay, let's go back to the game before yeah. we just yeah, we, talk we, about we just... Chelsea's <laughs> attackers for hours. A lot of criticism was levelled at Graham Potter. I, I'm a big, big Graham Potter critic, but even I don't think this criticism was entirely fair. It was, it was mainly about his choice of substitutions, and I think the main issue people had was with Conor Gallagher coming on in the 60th minute. That has happened in the last three games, and we have won all of them. Yeah. So why is it suddenly a problem when it's this one? I mean, Tom, you, I'll let you go first on this one. I don't think it's an issue with Gallagher coming on, I think, and I don't even think he played that badly. In fact, I think he played quite well. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Yeah, no, I've, I've, I'm going to be completely transparent here. I was quite surprised that you weren't <laughs> throwing your toys out the pram being completely angry about this because it is one of those things where if something does go wrong, you tr- people will try and find every single reason to blame. Well, if where their agendas lie, we'll try and blame Potter if, that, if they have an agenda against him. I do understand the frustrations because... Obviously, in hindsight, when we do concede that goal, you can look at, oh, we've gone far through defensive, we should be going for the kill. It's why every time he's made these changes, it has been when we've been one goal up. But as you've said in the three games beforehand, we made very, very similar substitutions and they worked out fine. I mean, Gallagher came on at half-time in the Leicester game. We scored another goal while he was on the pitch. So, yeah, it's there are, there are reasons behind it, but there's so many other sort of examples that we can use in football where it's, a good idea to bring on these sort of players to try and sh- sort of control the midfield. In my opinion, when the changes were made, I thought Everton were overrunning our midfield a little bit. So to get the more bodies in there with Conor Gallagher and Carly Chitwamecker, it only made sense. I don't think throwing Mudrick on in that left wing position would have helped us in any way ensuring us up defensively. So it's, I mean, yeah, it may have given us something more to go forward with, but it's again, it's, I don't think it's, that is should be the main reason. I think I saw a lot, so much more was aimed at those substitutions in people's anger at the end of the game rather than looking at the goal we conceded in hindsight where I thought a lot more of the criticism should have been aimed at. I, I mean, I absolutely agree. And maybe I would have been more critical of Graham Potter if it had been the first time it happened. Like like he did against... When he came when Gallagher came on against Leeds, I was like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah, yeah. What is this substitution about? Mm. But it worked against Leeds, it worked against Dortmund, and it worked against Leicester. So why would he not do it again? Yeah. I mean, it's like, 
It's like when Sarri was constantly substituting uh, Kovacic. Who was it? Kovacic? Ross Barkley. Kovacic, Kovacic Ross Barkley. Yeah, yeah. I saw a tweet in my memories the other day. Someone tweeted, uh, whereas in England international break, is like, I can't believe Southgate's not taking Barkley off in the 60th minute for Kovacic because <laughs> it was so common in Chelsea. But... I mean, it was com- becoming a routine, but it was working. And yeah. I mean, stick to your routine when it's working. Mm. The goal at the end of the game, I, I think me and you agree, is, yeah. is mostly down to two people. Yeah, I think you can maybe argue for a third with Chalaba being a little bit out of position as well, but that might be a little bit harsh. I can't quite remember the phase of play before it to sort of reason as to why him and James weren't. I think someone played a terrible part. Yeah, that, that wasn't surprising. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to dive into that if that wasn't the case. But yeah, no, I think I think we're talking about Kepper and Koulibaly we here, are aren't we? We are talking about yeah. Kepper and Koulibaly. What, I mean, Koulibaly against Ellis Sims, I, I'd have Koulibaly 100 times out of 100 to uh, just nudge him off the ball and kick it away. But he just got completely mugged off by someone who's never scored a goal in the Premier League. And then, I mean, it wasn't a good shot. Everton fans can act like it was a good shot, but it wasn't. It was a P-roller that just went past Kepper down to his left. He should have saved it comfortably. And, I mean, that's cost us the game at the end of the day. Tom, what do you think about that situation? Yeah, I'll start with Koulibaly. I find it's such a shame because the last two or three games he has looked like he's starting to delve into the Premier League, starting to look like the Napoli Koulibaly that we thought we were signing. I think up to up until about the 80th minute, he had a very good game. I think he, <laughs> I he, seemed, he seemed to lose his head with a pass about five minutes before the goal where he sort of passed it back thinking there'd be someone behind him. There wasn't anyone, but he did clear up after that. But yeah, as you pointed out, with Koulibaly, you do expect him one-on-one. He was goal-side when the Ellis first picked up the ball. And yeah, for him to, him to be out strength when he's someone who, when you do just just need to look at him to realise that that should be a strength of his game. Yeah, to me, he's passed by someone who hasn't scored a Premier League goal before is is very disappointing. And yeah, no, I, I warranted a lot of criticism to him at the time and I'm still re- really annoyed about it. And then... Yeah, you're completely right with Kepper as well. I also agree with you that he should have saved it. I know we spoke about Kepper a bit last week and I hinted at my sort of his pra- my praises for him since he has come into the side, but he shows that his errors are much more costly when he does make them and he makes yeah. them far too often. It's one of those where in a big game where we have, we're relying on those sort of chances, you need a big game goalkeeper to make those saves there. And it, you're right, it wasn't in the corner. It wasn't particularly pacey shot either. He's, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to get down to that and make the save, so... Yeah, it was frustrating goals to concede from those point of views. I mean, I've been watching back a few a few games from when we used to have Courtois in check, and they saved shots like that comfortably. Yeah, yeah, there, there are numbers of examples of when those two were in goal. Yeah, making and, those important saves, and that's the kind of goalkeeper that we should we should have as a team with the amount of money we're spending on yeah. players. I mean, I know we spent a lot of money on Kepa, but it's not worked. Yeah, he's been here what nearly coming up to six years now, and yeah, it's proved that his issues are much more. Much bigger than his positives, which is a shame. But yeah, and coming on to that, there has been a lot of rumours about Chelsea looking at goalkeepers in the upcoming window. Uh, I don't really have a favourite goalkeeper mm. that I desperately want to sign. Tom, what about you? Yeah, of the names that have come out this week, none of them are really striking out as like this is the clear one that we should go for. I mean, I've seen Andre and Arna thrown out this week. I've seen David Ryer and uh, Roger Sanchez are both two names that don't seem to go away. I mean, even as soon as Potter came in, I think Sanchez was hinted as someone that him and his backroom staff are very keen on. So Wait, we want more Brighton players? Oh, yeah. It's Who a, would have seen that amazing, coming? isn't it, when you bring in their entire backroom <laughs> staff and they're keen on their players? But yeah, it's... Yeah, it's something we do need to address. Uh, whether it's a case of Mendy's going to go without, like maybe we cash him for a few million on him, or whether there is a buyer out there for Kepper that we can get some of the money back that we spent on it spent on him. But 
yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a favourable favorable one in there. The, one of those three, I'm, I'm least excited about Roger Sanchez. I think he's one who's not quite at the level of the other two. I know David Raya has had his issues in the past. He has had a couple of games. I think the Newcastle one sticks out to me where he makes a couple of mistakes. But I think by and large, he is quite a reliable goalkeeper from what we've seen this season. And then Andre Onana's not one who has a clean slate either. He has had his issues with how his contract at Ajax ended. He got sent home from the World Cup with an issue that never really came out publicly. So he has been good for Inter Milan this season, but he's not really another one that strikes out as a world-class goalkeeper that will be the answers to our problems. I think, again, over the last two weeks, I've seen on Twitter that apparently the board aren't sure whether we are going to go out and sign a second choice to replace one of the two, or we're going to go out and try and find a new starter. But... Again, it would depend on whether those three are available or whether there is someone else that we can throw a reasonable price at and not overpay and take a risk on. We do, I think we do need someone assured at the back there. I agree. Uh, Robert Sanchez, as you mentioned, I don't know if he's been injured or he's just been dropped recently, but he's been messing up my FPL team. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I can't confirm on tonight, I'm afraid for you. Uh, if I want a goalkeeper, I just want a tall goalkeeper because I think tall goalkeepers are better. A tall goalkeeper that can pass out from the back would be nice. <laughs> if, uh, yeah, yeah that... Edward Mendy's very tall, but... Yeah, he's not, it's not no, quite he's, as good as his Ability with his feet is pretty, pretty dire. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate because he is a very good goalkeeper. Well, let's move on to my favourite section. I love it. I love preparing it. I love doing it. I love testing Tom's brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so in in honour of the women's team beating... I've decided to do uh, a quiz on... The UEFA Women's Champions League, okay, Chelsea history. We're really testing my breadth of, breadth of knowledge here. This yeah. is going to be an interesting one for me, I think. <laughs> this is going to be a good one because, Tom, I think you're 3-1 up? Uh, no, 2-1 yeah, yeah, up. 2-1 yes, yes, up. Yes, yes, I'm getting confused four, about how many it? episodes we've done. Mm. <laughs> we have so much fun doing We can these. go for our first question. Okay. okay. Who scored the first ever Champions League goal for the Chelsea women's team? Good God. <laughs> The problem here is if it's before the 2021 season, my knowledge is very patchy for the Chelsea women. Do you want me to tell you when the Champions League if you want to give me the started? Yeah, if you give me the year. It I'll started don't... in 2011. 2011, okay. 11 or 10. Right, so, oh, again, I wouldn't know if we made if, when we made our debut in the competition either, which isn't going to help me here. Um, I'm just going to throw a name out from that sort of time. We'll go, any Aluko. That is incorrect. Ah. I win already. Well done. <laughs> You're going to kick yourself. I'll give you... No, you can have another guess, but it doesn't count if you get That's it. That's fine. It's a really obvious one. Really obvious one. Um, uh, Frank Kirby. Yes, yeah, that is the correct answer. Wonderful. Great. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think too far outside the box there. I had people like Karen Carley going through my head. Just any player I could think of that played for us before 2020s. <laughs> yeah, forget how long Frank Kirby has been at the club. So yeah. Okay, that, Put in a ballpark when we started, so that's, that's good. <laughs> we'll move we on go. to question two. Uh, you said 2021, okay. so here you go. Good. How many goals did Chelsea's top scorer, who was also the joint top scorer of the competition, get in the 2020-2021 Women's Champions League, and who was it? Oh, God. Okay. Um, oh, I believe in the, that competition for us... Was it Penilla Harder? No. Ah, you're shaking your head. That's not a good sign. Tom, you're not doing too no, well. No, no, this is... <laughs> I haven't watched endless DVDs of the women yet, I'm afraid. I haven't got to that stage of my fandom. Uh, was it Sam Kerr then was our top scorer? No, it wasn't that either. Oh, good God. 
If it's Frank, is it Frank Kirby again? Frank no, Kirby again. Oh, no, that's not good, is it? Um, how many goals do you How many goals? Um, we'll go with eight. No. No, more, less? Less. Ah, six. Six, that's yeah, the correct answer. Yeah, that's just edit, let's edit around all that. Make me look, make me look smart. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so you're not doing too well on the No, that's not a great start. <laughs> I've got one for you for this season. Okay, okay. How many goals have Chelsea women conceded Ooh. this season in the Champions League? Conceded, that's a good question. Um, so both the games against Vanilla, I believe we kept clean sheets. Um, I actually pronounced Vlasnia. Vlasnia, thank you. That's... I interviewed one of their players. Yeah, he did. <laughs> actually, you know three of them. Really? Yeah, yeah, you got he's a very good scoop there. Their, their, fan, their traveling fans were very good. We went to that game as well. Um, Real Madrid, we won one nil away. And at home, I don't think we conceded either. And then we also played against... PSG, right? <laughs> we did five against PSG, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, did we concede in any of those? Uh, do I do I risk it and say we've conceded one? Um, let's go with one. You're a lucky boy. Yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> ins- insider knowledge. That we is. conceded <laughs> against Real Madrid. Yeah, it was Real Madrid. Yeah, we uh, conceded at home, that it? we drew one all with nah, Real Madrid. Of course, yeah, of course we did. And yeah, we kept nice clean sheets that. against... Uh, Vlasnia and mm. uh, PSG. Yeah, yeah, cool, nice. So okay. you've got one out of one, three. One behind. Come on. Uh, last question. Forget this is a draw. Come on, this is <laughs> big moment. Yeah, good luck with this one. That's oh, the hardest one. Sugar. Uh, name Chelsea's five top scorers in the women's champ in women's Champions League history. Ah, oh, lord. You're allowed one mistake, okay, but you have to get all five. All five. Okay, I'm gonna go Frank Kirby. That's correct. Lovely. She's top. I'm gonna go Sam Kerr. Yep. I'm gonna go Panilla Harder. You've got the top three. Lovely. Okay, now this is this could be quite dubious. Who else scores a lot of goals for us during this era? Um, I'm gonna go Beth England. That's incorrect. Oh, surprising. She, she she made a lot of appearances for us. I thought she might have got some more. Um, who else? That's, played? that's your one mistake. That is my one mistake. So I need two names, and I need them bang on, and they're fourth and fifth in the list. So yeah. Put in put in a lot of pressure on me here. Um, I'm going to go with oh, Aaron Cuthbert. Yeah, yes, that's four. Yes, in. Come on. One more. One more. Oh, is it going to be another midfielder or is it going to be a forward? Is it Guru Ryson? It is not. Ah, I'm shame. sorry. Is it someone who still plays for us? Or no, they've gone. They've gone. They've left. Okay. G, so is it G? It's it is G. G. That was going to be my last name. That was going to pull out. Well, one. very close, but wrong. We'll take it. I do need, <laughs> I need to. I need to brush up on my women's knowledge. So that's... Oh, here you go. Here's a good start. Yeah, now yeah, you know who the top scorer you're is. You're finding my blind spots. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> well, one out of four. Uh, disappointing, yeah. but that was pretty difficult. I feel like. Nah, I no, no. I mean, after last week, hey, you have every. After the last two weeks, actually. Today, yeah, you have I think right. I. I probably would have got. One, reckon, right. I reckon I would have got the same one you got right because I've been following them this season. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Recency bias, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, recency right? bias. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon you would have got three out of the five, the top scorers as well. Maybe, you yeah. never know, you never know. Um, yeah, so that's the, the women's team. I mean, they're playing again uh, next week in the Champions League. Do they have a game this weekend? That's a good question, actually. Um, they probably will do. Um, we should know this, but we'll have a look, fixtures-wise. Uh, I've got... 
Yeah, there is Super League this weekend. We are... Aw- <laughs> Do we have a game this weekend? Oh, yes. is it the City game? We are away at Manchester City, Oh, yes. we talked about this last week. That's why we forgot yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we did. You are We right. did talk about this being a potential title contender, mm. title decider. Um, yes. I mean, we're going into the game of the back of some some good confidence. Yeah, it, it, it falls at an interesting time for us. But I And you mean, said City got knocked out of the... Yeah, they FA are out Cup. of the FA Cup. Obviously, they didn't play in midweek in the Champions League. Cause... Yeah, so they do have a full week off. Yeah. So, so... it's going to be a difficult game. Mm. Make a prediction. Uh, I reckon I, I reckon we might see something very similar to the United game. And I reckon we'll go for the one they'll win and we'll get it. I'm going to go 6 now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go I'll go one all just one because all, I think yeah. City might have the legs to get a late goal. I think if we had that 2-0 advantage against Leon it might have taken a bit more pressure yeah. off but yeah. Yeah, well, it's still still a, a lot to play for in the Champions League and We'll probably be recording our episode just before the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, obviously we're to, it's Easter break next week, so we'll we'll work yeah. it out around it and see. Well, we could potentially just do it on Friday. If, yeah, or if we might even be able to get in here before that. Yeah, if, true. Yeah, we'll work that out. It's admin. We're talking admin on the podcast. Riveting listening. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's what you come here for. Let's end for. this very quickly with a little chat about what Graham Potter should be doing over the international break with the players who haven't gone away. I mean, Kante is the main one that stands out mm. to me, but also there's Mendy, Azpilicueta, uh, Loftus-Cheek, and then the injured, or coming back from injury, Sterling and Mounts. What, what do you think he's doing this week? Um, well, had some time off? I mean, Aubameyang's on his, on his travels to uh, Barcelona. Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's loving, loving his time. Um, I reckon the players probably would have got a couple of days off, those who aren't travelling internationally. I know Enzo Fernandez landed in Argentina, seemingly almost after the full-time whistle on the weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, I assume the players would have got a couple of days off. But I think it'll be a very similar sort of setup to what he would have had over the World Cup. Obviously, there were quite a big chunk of players who didn't go there. So... I think he did. I think there was um, somewhere in the media that they are planning to try and get a friendly and to get Kante some minutes. That would be good. Yeah, whether that's an in-house friendly with all some of the other youngsters who are still there or whether that's we can get a a team in to play behind closed doors, that will be very useful, I think, to get him back up to speed and get a couple of the other players who are trying to get back to fitness back up to speed. And, yeah, there's not much more he can really do without the play. Obviously, we've got a big squad, so there are a lot of players who can... It's probably half the squad. Yeah, <laughs> this is very true. There are a lot of players who have been called up for youth teams internationally, so there will be people like David Datra Fafana, Madweig, Chukwameka, they're all playing for under-21s, under-20s and things like that. I think even people like Lewis Hall and Charlie Webster are playing for the England youth side. So whoever he's got left, it will just be keep the fitness levels up. Hopefully, yeah, sort that friendly out and start preparing for when we get back and when the players start slowly returning. Yeah, we mentioned how proud we were of uh, Wesley Fofana last week getting into the French squad yeah, and then he yeah. got injured and had curse, to pull out. Curse, the podcast, Yeah, we literally it? cursed him. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Wesley. Yeah, I, I, hopefully that's more of a precautionary thing, but obviously, yeah, you never know a muscular injury. So. Yeah, well, hopefully he'll be back and fit. And let's just make a quick prayer circle that no one gets injured. Yeah, um, this table's made of wood, so I am. <laughs> no one gets injured during the international break assault. That will, that, that's, that's all we did. Yeah, I don't care about any of the results during this international break, unless it's, obviously England get absolutely battered. But <laughs> yeah, as long as we get every player who's gone out back in fully full, yeah. fully fit, that will be that will be ideal. Well, Reese and Chill aren't starting tonight, so they should be all right for at least a day. And yeah. you will know 
uh, whether any Chelsea players have been injured this time next week because mm. we will either be crying or happy. Yeah, or it will be when we put this out after the Italy game tonight <laughs> and both of them come off the bench and get broken legs. Yeah. So. <laughs> and on that, positive, wood, <laughs> on that positive note, it's time to end. Thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next time on the Blue Tomorrow podcast. Thank you very much and bye-bye. <laughs>